Good afternoon, brothers and sisters, visitors, and those joining us online. A hearty welcome to you all. It's such a blessing that we may be here again to join in worship of our triune God. May the preaching of the gospel direct our hearts and minds in faith and in trust to our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ and cause us to live our lives to the praise of him. Consistory as the following announcements. Classes North will be convened, convened by the Free Reform Church of Southern River on Friday, 28th of July, the Lord willing. And the main item on the agenda will be the examination of Brother Dathan Plater. The Consistory's Elders will meet the Lord willing tomorrow evening at 7.45pm. And this afternoon, the worship service will be led by Reverend Salmon, minister of our sister church in Kelmscott, and we welcome him to the pulpit. Before we commence worship, let's sing together from hymn 51, all verses. and sisters please rise our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth Amen grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ Amen Brothers and sisters, let us sing in response to the greeting of the Lord from Psalm 40, the verses 1 and 2.
Brothers and sisters, let us now also, together with the Church of all times and places, profess our undoubted Christian Catholic faith. We do it with the word of the Apostles' Creed by singing hymn one. we come before you and we humble ourselves before you. We give thanks that you come to us as your people, that your word may be proclaimed to us again, the second time on this Sunday. We thank you for the riches of your grace which you show to us. Father, again we confess that there is nothing in ourselves that makes us worthy to come before you. It all depends on your grace, the work of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And now through your spirit you make us one with him, one in his death, so that we also will be united with him in his resurrection. And we also may be anointed to the office of Christian. And that we are united with our Lord Jesus Christ. We share in his anointing. Father, we pray be with us this afternoon. Give us that we may be strengthened and encouraged by the instruction which we receive from your word summarized in the Catechism. Give us also that we may be filled with joy and thankfulness and that we may show to you our thankfulness in our worship, that you may be praised and glorified, and that also in all the days of our lives we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice of thankfulness to you. Father, hear us then in the name of your Son, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, this afternoon I proclaim to you the word of God as it is summarized by 
the church in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 12. The Lord's Day 12 is about Christ and the Christian. And let us now first hear from the Word of God what God's Word teaches about it. We read first from John 8, verse 31 to 59, and then also from Romans 8, verse 12 to 17. So let us read now from John 8, verse 31 to 59. In John 8, our Lord Jesus Christ is in conversation with the Jews and also with the Pharisees, and he speaks about the truth. He is the light of the world. And then in verse 31 we read, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Jesus said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abram died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abram, who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. 
It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Let's now go to Romans 8 and read verse 12 to 17. Romans 8 verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and have children and heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that he may also be glorified with him. So far the scripture reading. Let us now sing from Psalm 40, the verses 3 and 4. No sacrifice that you, O Lord, require. Psalm 40, verse 3 and 4.
Well, let's now read Logic 12 of the Heidelberg Catechism, page 527 of the Book of Praise. Logic 12, there we read what the Church summarizes about Christ and the Christian, and she summarizes from God's Word. Why is he called Christ, that is, anointed? Because he has been ordained by God the Father and anointed with the Holy Spirit to be our chief prophet and teacher who has fully revealed to us the secret counsel and will of God concerning our redemption. Our only high priest who by the one sacrifice of his body has redeemed us and who continually intercedes for us before the Father. And our eternal King who governs us by his word and spirit and who defends and preserves us in the redemption obtained for us. Why are you called a Christian? Because I am a member of Christ by faith and thus share in his anointing so that I may as prophet confess his name, as priest present myself, a living sacrifice of thankfulness to him, and as king fight with a free and good conscience against sin and the devil in this, in this life and hereafter reign with him eternally over all creatures. Brothers and sisters, beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Hallerich Catechism says in question answer 32 that we share in Christ's anointing. And we do that because we are a member of Christ. Christ is the head of the body, the Bible describes it, and at several places, Romans 12, but also 1 Corinthians 12, we are members of Christ's body. If the head is being anointed, then from the head the anointing oil also descends on the body. And with that, the body is anointed as well. So we share in Christ's anointing. The Bible also says that we are created in God's image. And in Hebrews 1, the Bible says that Christ is the direct imprint of God's image. Christ, God's image. We also God's image. So that means that we are also like Christ. As part of the body of Christ, we share in Christ's anointing. However, we do not share in everything that Christ did. Christ sacrificed himself for our sins. We sacrifice ourselves, but not for sins. Christ revealed to us the word of God. We do not reveal the word of God, but we preach, we confess the word of God. And there are more differences. So in a way, we are united with Christ, and as members we share in his anointing, but still there are some differences between Christ and us. Christ is the exact imprint of God's image. We are also God's image, but in a way, we are different. And the Catechism summarizes in Lord's Day 12 what it is that Christ does as anointed, and what we do as anointed with Christ. And then we will see what we share with Christ, what we also, also what we are different. So I proclaim to you the word of God, and it is seen, the Christian set free by Christ to follow him. Following Christ means, in the first place, being faithful to him, in the second place, suffering with him, and in the third place, being glorified with him. 
The Christian set free by Christ to follow him. In the first place, following Christ means being faithful to him. Christ is our chief prophet and teacher. The task of a prophet in the Old Testament was to preach God's word. It was through the prophets that God spoke to his people. And that in the first place is important to notice that God speaks to his people. And that God is totally different from the gods of the heathen people. If you know the Greek mythology, then you also know about the Oracle of Delphi. You know that they needed priests to interpret the gods, and they needed priests again to interpret what the priests said. So the one priest who had a revelation from the gods spoke all kinds of oracles, and they had another priest who was interpreting the oracle, and that is what they passed on to the people who needed advice. And there was a, quite a mystery there. They also needed to, to read information from the organs of animals or the flight of the birds or all kinds of things they used to discern the will of God, the revelation of their God. That is how they believe they got into contact with their God. So all kinds of signs and, and all kinds of things that are happening in nature. There was no direct contact with God. God did not speak to them. Their God needed all kinds of, of ways to make his will known to them. But not so with God. God said, I do not leave you in doubt. I speak to you. You will listen to me. You will follow my words. Often Israel didn't follow God's words, but nevertheless God spoke to his people. God sent his prophets. The prophets spoke the word of God. And we believe that they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And they spoke what God said to his people. God already spoke in the beginning. And by his speaking, everything is created. Not through all kinds of mysterious processes, like many of the, the heathen people believed, or still nowadays a lot of the heathen people believe when they adhere to the theory of evolution. But it is through his speaking, God spoke and it was. God spoke and it happened. And then God continued to speak. God spoke directly to his people in Exodus 20. The Ten Commandments, brothers and sisters, you have realized that the Ten Commandments are the words which God directly spoke to his people, not through prophets, but he spoke from the mountain when he gave his Ten Commandments. And he himself wrote them on two stone tablets. These words God's people received directly from God. All other words he received through prophets, also from God, but through the service of prophets, Moses and other prophets. And then when God spoke to Israel on Mount Sinai in Exodus 20, and also in Deuteronomy 18, Moses speaks about it again, then Israel trembled. And afterward, Israel said to Moses, please let this not happen again, because we are terribly terrified. If this happens again, then probably we will perish, because this is such a terrible event, we cannot handle it. Please, you speak to us for God, and you speak to God for us. And in Deuteronomy 18, Moses said that God responded to him, Yes, it is good what the people have spoken. From now on I will speak to them through prophets. And I will raise a prophet from your midst, a prophet like you are, Moses. And he will reveal my word to them. And that was the, ultimately that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ, a chief prophet and teacher. And that God said, they will listen to him and to all those, and from all those who do not listen to him, I will demand an accounting. 
So there we see that from then on God speaks through the prophets. But then it was also important that prophets were faithful to God and they precisely spoke to the people what God told them to speak. And then we also see that God said there that every prophet who did not speak in God's name, he should be killed. And how do you know that prophets don't speak through God, uh, through, that prophets don't speak on behalf of God? Well, what he says will not come true. And if you discover that, you shall kill him, God said to the people. So it had to be very strict. Every prophet had to speak what God spoke to them through God's spirit. They had to speak to the people the words that God gave them to speak. And they had to be precise in it. And now in the New Testament, the chief prophet and teacher, our Lord Jesus Christ, he is the truth. And in John 8, we read about him and he says that he knows the Father. And apparently he got some flack from the Jews. How do you know the Father? How can you know the Father? And then Lord Jesus said, if I would say I do not know him, I would not speak the truth. He knew it would bring him in trouble with the Jews, but he said, I have to say this because this is the truth. Jesus Christ could not speak a lie. He is the truth. He is sent by the God of truth. He is the word of God who became flesh. God is the God who speaks. Who speaks to us, his people. Jesus is the express image of the Father. Therefore, he is the word. He was 1 verse 3. speaks about him as express image. The word he speaks is the word of love. God loves. God loves his people. God is the God of love. That doesn't take away that he is also the holy God and the God who is just. But in his love he comes to us in his son Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the express image of God. He is the Expression of God's love for us. Jesus Christ became flesh. He humbled himself for our sake to save us because God so loved the world. He is God's ultimate revelation of salvation. He is the fulfillment of Deuteronomy 18 where God says that the people shall listen to him and those who do not listen to him from them he will demand an accounting. Then in Luke 10 we read that it is being said, hear him. In the, the transfiguration on the mountain, then the Lord, uh, Moses and Elijah appear to the Lord, and, and then Peter wants to build tents for them. And then a voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Hear him or listen to him. And these words uh, refer to Deuteronomy 18, where God said, you shall listen to him, the prophet, like Moses, whom God would send to his people. It's a fulfillment of Deuteronomy 18. And Jesus says about himself, I am the truth. He said so in, in John 8, what we read together. He says again in John 14, I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. Everyone who, who, every, anyone who wants to go to the Father has to go through him. Jesus completely revealed to us God's will regarding our salvation. And therefore Jesus Christ is being called the word of God. The Old Testament because the Old Testament is a prophecy of him coming. The New Testament because the New Testament tells us Christ's words. 
All the New Testament is the word of Christ. When Christ sent out his disciples, his apostles, he gave them his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who came on Pentecost, who had descended on his apostles. Through the Holy Spirit, they were able to remember all that Christ had told them, as Christ said in John 14, and he will bring to your remembrance all that I have told you. That's what the Holy Spirit did, so that all that the apostles preached, it was from Christ. Christ had taught them, and the Holy Spirit did not bring something new, but as the Lord Jesus prophesied in John 14 and 16, he will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So the, the, the Holy Spirit took from what Christ has taught them, the ultimate revelation of God's word. And the Holy Spirit bring, brought it to the remembrance of the apostles when they went out to preach. And the apostles wrote it down faithfully, or their helpers, Mark and, and Luke, wrote it down faithfully. And that is what we have in the Gospels, that is what we, what we have in the letters of the apostles. And the book of Acts tells us about the acts of Jesus Christ, how the apostles went out and preached everywhere the word of God. And it, how it went from Jerusalem to Rome. So the New Testament is Jesus Christ, the word of Jesus Christ, and nothing added to that, nothing new. Through the Holy Spirit we have received the words which Christ taught to his apostles. Now we as Christians, we have received the word of God, now it is our turn to speak God's word faithfully. Like the prophets in the Old Testament had to be faithful to what God told them. So we have to be faithful to what God tells us. We don't get a special revelation anymore through the Spirit. We get a revelation through the Spirit which we have in the Bible. And this is the word that God told us. And now we as prophets will preach to this world the word which we have received from God. And we will do so faithfully as prophets. That is important that we are faithful in that. Because it is the word of the eternal God. And that is what we have to remember above all. It's the word of the eternal God. The God who never changes. Our time, the time in which you live, is no different from a time in which Moses lived and a time in which Abram lived. The time of Abram, it is 19 centuries before Christ. We live now about 20 centuries after Christ. Between Abram and Christ, a lot happened. Between Christ and us, a lot happened. But the word of God remains the same. The eternal God, the God who speaks to us his word. His word will never change. The God who never changes speaks words that never change. His word is rock solid and remains the same for all generations, for all ages. It doesn't change. Even though the culture may change, the word of God doesn't change. And therefore, we will speak the word of God faithfully and we are not going to find ways to change the word of God so that all things that were not allowed in the Bible that now all of a sudden that is allowed. No, the Bible is clear. Wherever the Bible speaks the word of God, wherever we find God's command, there we will obey God's command and speak it faithfully in this world which constantly wants to deny the word of God or change the word of God. We confess Jesus Christ in this world. We speak the truth and do not hide it. And that was in the first place. Following Christ means being faithful to him. Second place we see following Christ means suffering with him. And now we speak about a task as priests. Priests had to bring sacrifices in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament sacrifices were needed. 
They were a foreshadowing of the work of Jesus Christ. Every time an animal was killed, the blood had to be poured out on, on the foot of the altar. Some blood, sometimes even on the horns of the altar. And with that blood, it is shown the blood is the life of the animal. The blood has to be given to God. Humans were not allowed to drink the blood because the life belonged to God. And the life had to be poured out at the altar and given to God. And with that, the Israelites showed, as the life of the animal has been taken, so my life should have been taken. And so in the future, when the Messiah comes, his life will be taken in my place. His blood is being shed to give me life. That is what the sacrifices symbolized. So they were a foreshadowing of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the same time, it was also a remembering. Remembering that they were sinful. Remembering of the fallen sin in paradise. Genesis 3 verse 15 where God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you serpent and the woman, between your offspring and hers. And we know the text. The text also speaks about suffering. He will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. It speaks about suffering. And all the suffering in this world is a result of sin. And the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ is a payment for sin. And we believe that our suffering cannot be a payment for sin, but still it is a result of sin. It reminds us of sin, that sin came in the world, but it also reminds us of the enmity which God put in this creation between mankind and the serpent. This enmity is a battle. We fight against Satan. A lot of our suffering reminds us of that. Sacrifices, blood had to flow. Sacrifices, we also speak about bringing sacrifices for God. Bringing sacrifices is going through suffering, denying yourself certain things, because you want to dedicate yourself to God. You want to dedicate yourself to the battle against the enemy. That is your dedicating yourself to God. That is fighting against the enemy. Dedicating to yourself to God does not mean that you're going to sit quietly in a corner and, and, and are going to meditate the whole day. No. Dedicating yourself to God is fighting against the enemy. Fighting against sin. Fighting against your sinful nature. More and more living in righteousness and, and holiness before God. That's a sacrifice. Sacrifice brings suffering. Suffering belongs to life. Israel had to go to Egypt to suffer. God had a purpose with that so that they would remember that in and of themselves they were nothing. They were slaves in Egypt. They were the least of all peoples and God chose them to be his people. Not because of anything that is in themselves, but because of God's good pleasure. And that's also how we suffer. When God brings suffering in your life, whether it is sickness or adversity or it is suffering because of the name of Christ when God brings suffering in your life then it is because he wants to remind you that it is all his grace you depend on him there is nothing in yourselves that makes you worthy to come before him and that is what you will suffer that is the sacrifice which you bring suffer for God making yourself nothing humbling yourself 
So that God will lift you up. Also, if it means that in the world you confess that you are a Christian, even if you know that you will suffer because of it, you do it gladly, as the apostles did in Acts 5. They were arrested by the Sanhedrin, they were flogged and let go, and they rejoiced because they were deemed worthy to suffer shame for the name. That is suffering for Christ. Whatever suffering God brings to you in your life, sickness, adversity, or suffering for the name of Christ, you will receive it from God gladly and rejoice. Because God is working on you and with you. God has chosen you to be his people, to belong to his people. And therefore, as priests, you are willing to dedicate your entire life to God in a way God chooses. Not the way you choose it, but the way God chooses. Jesus Christ came as a priest. And his sacrifice was a satisfying of God's requirements, payment for sin. And all the sacrifices in the Old Testament are fulfilled in him. As Hebrews 10 explains, in him the last sacrifice has been brought. After that, God's demands were fulfilled. And therefore, no sacrifice is necessary anymore. The Bible is very clear about that. And because of that, we now believe that we should not bring any sacrifices in the way Israel did. We should not bring animals as sacrifices or anything else as sacrifices to remind us of sin. Because the sacrifice that has been brought is Jesus Christ. In him, the sacrifice is perfect, is fulfilled. But now, Christians as priests also bring sacrifices, not for our sins anymore, but sacrifices of thankfulness because we want to follow Christ. We are Christ's image, created in God's image, reformed in Christ's image. Luke 9, there the Lord Jesus Christ speaks about taking up our cross and following him. It doesn't speak about taking up Jesus' cross. The disciples hadn't even heard much about it yet. But it speaks about us taking up our cross and following him. Taking up our suffering, our humiliation and following Jesus Christ. For the sake of Jesus Christ, willing to suffer pain, shame. In Romans 8, we read that we share in his suffering. We are fellow heirs with Christ. And we share in his suffering so that we will also be glorified with him. So before we receive the glory with Christ, we share in his suffering. Let it be clear. With the difference that we do not share in his suffering for our sins... Because that has already been completed. But now we share in his suffering, we share in all the shame which they did to Jesus Christ. That they also do to us. A disciple is not above his master. They have persecuted the master, they will persecute the disciples as well. And in that we will serve Christ, we will bring honor to Christ. That is how God decided that he should be honored. By us suffering for him, by us willing to suffer for him. So the whole world will see these Christians are willing to suffer. Then this God must be a great God. That these Christians are willing to suffer so much for him. That they are willing to give up everything. And that is how we serve Christ. Bring glory to him by our suffering. Christ then chooses how we will serve him. We are part of his body. 
He is not part of our body, but we are part of his body. And the head determines what the hand and the feet and the eye and the ear do. Not the other way around. We seek to serve Christ in the way he chooses, not in the way we choose. But where he places us. And that's not always what we want. We can have lofty ideas of how we want to serve Christ. But God teaches us by blocking our ways and saying, no, that is not what I want. You're going to serve me here. And we have to accept that. And we should not desperately try to seek different things where we want to serve him, where God does not lead us and which God makes, does not make possible. Christ determines our function and our place in his body. It is Christ's calling. Christ tells us what we have to do. And consider that in your life, brothers and sisters. Whenever you move or make important decisions, is this where Christ calls me? Not is this where I want to go. Not is this where I receive opportunities. But is this where Christ calls me? Is this where I receive opportunities to be witness of Jesus Christ? Is this where I can best serve God? The disciple will follow his master, even if it means suffering, even if it means denying yourself a promotion. It is a sacrifice. Giving up. Even if necessary, Jesus Christ says, even father, mother, children, for the sake of Christ. As the Lord said in John 8, verse 31, There, there he says, so Jesus said to the Jews, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you abide in my word, if you go in my ways, if you speak my word, and preach my word to the world, then you are truly my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That is the best life you can imagine, living in the freedom of Jesus Christ. Free from all worries for earthly possessions. Free from all worries about your earthly name. But going in the truth, abiding in the word of God, then you are truly his disciples. And in the third place we see that we also be glorified with him. Man in paradise was created in God's image. In Genesis 1 verse 28, we saw that being God's image means that we rule over his creation. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over all creatures. That was the task of the king. We as Christians are share in Christ's anointing as king. The task of the king was to protect his subjects, to protect his creation from enemies. Mankind had the task to protect this creation from the attack of Satan. Satan was attacking this creation and therefore mankind had to stand up and say to Satan, no, you stay out of this creation. That was the task of the king to protect his people from enemies so that, the, so that his subjects could live in peace. Mankind failed in his task. The enemy came in and started destroying so many good things that God had created. And because of that, it was necessary that God put again enmity. Now that the Satan had attacked, and the Satan, uh, now that the enemy had attacked and, and is in the country, now it is the task of the king to fight him and to get him out again. And that is what mankind's task is. And for that, God put enmity between the woman 
and the seed of the woman and the serpent. And now we see that it is God's grace that God did not give mankind and his world over in the power of Satan. God said, I do not accept this. Satan is the enemy. He has to be kicked out again. He has to be removed from this creation. And God, in his grace, gave mankind the power to do so. So through God's power, mankind can resist and can fight against Satan. It is through the Holy Spirit. And we see that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was needed for man to fulfill their task of king. David received the Holy Spirit. The Spirit rushed upon him in power. Saul before him had received the Holy Spirit as well, but because of Saul's unfaithfulness, God withdrew his Spirit from him. In 1 Samuel 15. But then... David received the Spirit of God, and through the Spirit, David was able to fulfill his task as king, as righteous king, as king, a man after God's heart. And John 8, verse 34 to 38, there we read again about us being free. Free if we remain in Jesus Christ. And that's important. It is through the Spirit. Christ's disciples, they receive freedom when they are fellow heirs with Jesus Christ, they will reign with him because they are one with him. They are united with him through the Spirit. And therefore they will reign with him over all creatures. Jesus Christ is the king. He took the place of Adam. Adam, the head of mankind, he failed in his task as king. And now mankind had which had dominion over all creation as image of God, mankind failed in his task, but now Christ comes to replace Adam as the head of mankind. Christ, the second Adam, he receives all authority in heaven and on earth, as we read in Matthew 28. And as the second head, the replacement of Adam, he leads mankind to victory. But at the same time, we see that even within mankind, there are enemies. He have chosen the side of Satan, and they also will be removed. And all those who follow Jesus Christ, they will be the new mankind, and Christ will lead this mankind to victory. He will kick out Satan out of this creation. He will destroy Satan. He will destroy all evil and bring this creation renewed before God. And then from heaven, the new Jerusalem will come down on earth. Heaven and earth, the new heaven and the new earth, the new creation. All the result of the work of our Lord Jesus Christ, God and man. Now he is seated at God's right hand in his human nature, Lord 18. And from there he rules over all creation. Jesus Christ came as king to protect his people from Satan. He freed us from Satan's power. He came to lead God's people into the promised land, the heavenly Canaan. He fought for us even unto death, and he defeated eternal death. Christ is now seated at God's right hand. The second Adam, the express image of God's person. He fulfilled mankind's task as God's image. And now he can bring us before God in righteousness. We as Christians are anointed with him as king. And our task is now to fight against the enemy as long as we live on this earth. (coughs) 
as long as we live on this earth, we fight against the enemy. And we can do so because the enemy is already defeated by our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our head. Still, he has great power left to him, but Christ leads us also in this world in which Satan is still prowling around like a roaring lion. Christ leads us, and one word can fell him. And we know that if we are faithful, we will obtain the victory, because the victory is certain in Jesus Christ. If only we follow Christ, then we will reign with him over all creatures. We will inherit the kingdom, as Jesus Christ says in Matthew 25 and 34. We will inherit the kingdom prepared for us from the foundation of the world. And in that we share in Christ's anointing. He is the Christ. We are Christians. United with him. United with him in his death. Also united with him in his resurrection. United with him in his victory. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let us now sing in response to the word of God from Psalm 40, the verses 5 and 7. Do not withhold your mercy and your grace. Psalm 40, verses 5 and 7.
Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, again we come before your holy throne, we humble ourselves before you. You are the great and almighty God. You are also our God and our Father. In your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, you come to us because you love us. You have redeemed us from the power of sin and eternal death. Father, you have even made us your children, co-heirs with Christ. We may share in his victory. That also means that we share in his suffering here on this earth. Father, strengthen us for that. Give us the willingness to suffer shame for the name of Christ, if that is required of us. That we do so gladly and, and rejoice that we have been chosen to do so. Father, give us then that we do not shy away whenever we are called to stand up for your name. But that we do so boldly. And that we do so not only when people ask us, but also in our daily life, in all that we do. That we are faithful to you. That we show in our daily task, in the way we fulfill our task. Whether it is in our work, or at home, or in school. In all that we do. That we show that we are Christians, that we are different from unbelievers, that we are faithful in our work, that we do it with honesty, that we treat our fellow neighbors, that we treat them with respect, that we also treat each other within the church with respect. Father, give us that also in that. We show that we are created in your image. You, the God of love. Require of us that we love our neighbor as ourselves. Be then with us in this world in which we live. And there is so much going on in this world. So much unrest. So much uncertainty. So much suffering also. Sometimes also senseless suffering that people do to each other. We bring it all before you. We see the evil of mankind more and more in this world. And we thank you that you have given governments to restrain this evil. Governments which you have given for our benefit. So that under their government your church may come together in peace to profess your name and preach your word. We pray be with our governments. Be with our king, King Charles. Give him that from his reign a testimony may go out to this world. That your word that we could hear at his coronation may continue to to be heard, that he also may be guided by your word. We also with the government of our own country, Australia, the Commonwealth government, also the state government and local governments, give them also wisdom that they may make decisions which are pleasing to you. Father, there are many things going on at the moment in the federal government and also the state government. Important decisions are being made, have to be made. Will you guide all those who have a task to rule that they may make decisions which are wise, which are in agreement with your word. And wherever there are decisions that go against your word, give and all those who speak up that they may receive the boldness and the wisdom to do so in a good way. And that your words also may be heard by those who have a task to govern our country. Give them wisdom. Give them the willingness to listen. Give them that they want to do what is good for the country, what is wise. 
And will you bless us as a country now? And will you bless us as church, that we may speak boldly in this country as well, and that your word may go out every Sunday on the pulpit, but also during the week from ourselves as members, that we all may be living members of our Lord Jesus Christ, and may prophets who, prof may be prophets who profess his name, and that your word may spread also in our country, and that this country may return to your commandments. And get rid of all the worldly way of thinking, all the worldly ideas that permeating this society more and more. That also more and more your name may be glorified. Father, we know it is all in your hand and you are able to do so. And if it is your will, Father, will you then work powerfully and bring a turnaround. So that also in our country more and more people may glorify your name. Use us in that wherever it is your desire to use us. And work in our hearts the desire to be used every day again. Father, we pray. May then be with all those in a society who have the task to keep us safe. Whether they work in the army or in the police force or in, as firefighters or also those who work in hospitals, those who work in the care, that they all may do so with a willing heart, a heart to serve, a heart to seek what is best for those whom they are serving, whom those, they, those whom they are helping. Bless them and keep them safe. And bless us also by their service. Father, give us them, each and every one of us that we all are faithful in the place where you put us. And on our own place, we may show that we serve you and do so with gladness. And may you use us all to build your kingdom and glorify your name. Father, we thank you that you could receive this Sunday, this day of rest. We thank you for the church services, for the preaching of your word, the fellowship which we also can have with our brothers and sisters. Give us that we may continue to enjoy this Sunday and that we may be refreshed and strengthened again for this week to continue our daily task and to glorify you in all that we do. Father, we pray this all in the name of your Son, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, you receive the opportunity to give your sacrifices of thankfulness to the Lord, which are for the mission work at PNG. And let us thereafter sing together from hymn 84, Ye servants of God, your master proclaim. Let us sing all four verses of hymn 84 after you have given your offerings to the Lord.
Brothers and sisters, receive the blessing of the Lord and depart in peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.